0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Raising Gen Z, your resource for raising confident, thriving teens in today's complicated world. I'm Shira Miro, your host, and I'm a marriage and families therapist and mother of two teen boys. It's been almost a decade since Amy Chua wrote the notorious battle hymn of the tiger mother, which caused an uproar in many American parenting circles. A tiger mom refers to a mother who is strict and demands high levels of both academic excellence from her children as well as obedience. While we may see the tiger mom as one style of parenting, Chua points out strictness and obedience are inextricable from the cultural norms of Asian societies, which view children in a very different way, but also in a different role than the often more permissive and emotionally supportive Western approach to raising children. Now, Tiger Parenting has become a fixture in the parenting lexicon, along with free-range parenting, helicopter parenting, and the new snowplow and lawnmower parent, which we'll discuss as well. Our special guest today is Mick Kubiak, a psychotherapist in private practice who works nationally as a parent coach. Mick has been working with families as a coach for over a decade with a specialization in trauma work and somatic healing. Hi, Mick. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, So I know you're very versed in different parenting styles. You've seen a bunch of parenting um, experiments over the years with your family work. And I wanted you to weigh in just your take on tiger parenting. Why do you think so many parents still take umbrage to Dr. Chua's approach in America?
1: You know, my sense is, you know, I think when we were talking about this before, I was saying if If it works for you to be a tiger parent, I say, go for it. If it works for you and it works for your kids, I don't have any judgment on any style of parenting. It's really very important to know who you are and know who your child is. Those are the main things that are going to let you know whether tiger parenting is even really a viable option for you. I think people take umbrage because she was very successful right like she's incredibly yeah. successful her husband's incredibly successful her children are incredibly successful and we're such a we're we're a culture that that we call that success we call that happiness and Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. I'm not doing it. I, I read that book <laughs> and loved it. And I thought she was so funny. Like I, I found her to be a very lovable narrator of that style because um, she made fun of herself and, and has a wicked sense of humor. So I just enjoyed the book. But it was not going to be for me and my kiddo. Like I, I don't want to be. I would not enjoy being that mom. And I think it's so important. You have to enjoy being the parent that you're going to be. I focus on joy in my life and a lot of people are like, who cares about that? I wanted to go to Harvard. Uh,
0: Yes. And, and to point out, just, just in case uh, some of our listeners don't know uh, Dr. Chua is a professor at Yale. Her husband's a professor at Yale. I think uh, one of her daughters also Yale and then Yale graduate school and another one at Yale and I think Harvard. So, so right. And perhaps an anomaly because most people don't have those kind of Ivy League pedigrees.
1: Well, and to, and to chime in there too is an important point because so I, I actually went to an Ivy League and I thought, I was like, oh, Elvis definitely going to an Ivy League and she wanted to go to an Ivy League. And then we started really looking at what it means now. I, I couldn't get into anywhere now, like who I was as a high school student and I got into an Ivy League, but like, it is not like that anymore. As you know so much more competitive so much so more so much more competitive yeah. there are grade point averages four point whatever and
0: five five, five, five,
1: five. point six <laughs> <laughs> going and the SAT scores are perfect and they'll still be like yeah I didn't get into UCLA and I'm like what you have a 4.5 and you h the SATs and you did not get in to UCLA okay Different world because and she points that out to you in the interview. She did an interview with Megan Kelly. Yes. And she talked about that, how she she felt like she would not do the same thing or have the same expectations if she were raising children now, which I thought was a great thing that she acknowledged that, you know, and by the same token, she said, I wouldn't be where I am
0: now if I was trying to get there in today's world. Very so, I mean, obviously right? the cultural climate has, has changed. Another point I, 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 wanna, I wanna make is, and Dr. Chua points out explicitly that this was not a parenting manual. This was her experience, it was her perspective, raising her children, coming from a family of Taiwanese immigrants who had to struggle and scrape their way up in American society. And I think that's often something that's missed. When we talk about tiger parenting, because I believe it's taken on a life of its own in America, separate from what her original uh, intentions were. But I do think it's fascinating that we live in a hyper, hyper competitive culture. Uh, of comparison, and that the Ivy Leagues tend to symbolize something for parents that it didn't used to. It's it's almost like things are so heightened, and there is so much pressure on children and teens to to do something which now feels out of reach for the vast majority of American students. What do you think that says about our, our culture? Are we have have we lost? Focus as parents in terms of what what determines success uh, for young adulthood.
1: Yeah, I mean, we. I think you and I also shared. I shared that article with you. Um, the world is run by C students. Uh, yes, <laughs> and I love that. And that I. I think. Uh, I don't know whether it was a picture I saw or a meme of a of a. You know, it's like a Maserati with a with a C student license vanity plate. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's so important. And I think it's, it, there's a lot of truth to that. I think a lot of kids, and I even noticed this when I was younger, a lot of kids who don't just hit it right out of the gate and go to the right college and do all the right things often have a more um, authentic relationship to who they are. And they end up doing some interesting things and take kind of an interesting convoluted path to where they're going. And this is very scary for parents. But I actually think more authentic parenting would tend to be that way when we're encouraging our kids to be true to themselves and know who they are, rather than like, here's the track that you are going down, period. This is what it looks like, period. You're going to do X, Y, and Z in a sport and violin. And then you're going to go to this school. Like having it all mapped out is great, though, for some kids, by the way, if it works for your kid, go with it, go with it. And you want to do all that, do it. Um, but I find a lot of interesting people that I know didn't go that route and they weren't capable of it. And they were like, I'm not doing that. That does not feel authentic to me. It doesn't, it's not something I want to do. They question the system, which is a quality I greatly admire in humans when you're like, oh, that's what they say to do. But why? And then they ask why enough times and they're like, yeah, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> or, I'm going to do it very minimally. Um, And I'm gonna spend my time hanging out with my friends and doing things that interest me, um, that may or may not be validated in this sort of very traditional road that your typical parent maps out. And I, I empathize with parents because honestly, if my kid was more that type, I understand there's a great amount of security that comes with that. You just feel like we know where that goes. And, and we imagine, then my kid's going to be safe. They're going to make enough money. They're going to get the right
0: job. I'll be able to breathe, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's the association. Uh, I, I think um, Dan Siegel pointed it out that it's it's what it symbolizes, which is that my kid is going to be successful in life. That if they go to the right school, which is, in a sense, the culmination, right, of a lifetime of preparation and focus and intention, that... They equate the Ivy League with decades of the right job, financial stability and security. But I would say in my practice, I have quite a number of Harvard and Ivy League graduates. And there's so many more issues that uh, and so many more things that define happiness and stability and security. It's not just the the pedigree of uh, Ivy League. Uh, Degree. But I I think that's fascinating how Americans, in particular, uh, are, are so obsessed with it and i think they miss out on some of the, some of the other components which are just as essential and i think as clinicians we know right their emotional and social development their physical well-being their sense of well-being and i personally feel like there's a split that we say either they're going that that academic excellence road or the progressive no expectation road and
1: i think that's, that's quite fair <laughs> no
0: there's an in between Yeah, there's almost
1: mostly in between, right? Like, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Well, do you think you can have strict rules and high academic expectations and also be emotionally supportive at the same time? Is is that, do you think that's a possibility? Absolutely.
1: Again, like, I really do think, I think one of the beautiful things that Amy Chua said in the interview, the that I listened to was that she said, you know, I I am really close with my daughters. Now we have great relationships We're we're friends. And I would not feel, I wouldn't look back and be happy with my parenting if that weren't the case. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you have to be watching all along the way with your kids. Like is the, is the warmth of our bond being deteriorated by my expectations and my demands and is our connection being weakened and loosened? Is my kids suffering? Because under the weight of my expectations, is our relationship
0: suffering? Sure, uh, that makes so much sense. And and I can also see that parents who have very, very low expectations of their kids are also doing them a disservice. Definitely agree. Like, what, what, give me an example of that. Well, you know, okay, so this th- if we're talking about parenting styles. I know we mentioned a few at the top. So the free range parent, which makes it sound like everybody's out. I don't know. I imagine a lot of chickens. I think of chickens too. Free range. Oh, because of free range. Yeah. 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 yeah you got kind of to think of like lots of play time, free time, creative yeah. time, yeah. essential, right? Yeah. Essential kids need time yeah. to play, especially in the, in those early years. Uh, it's, it's essential. And yet, there is a divide, and you can see it right at the beginning at preschools. There's this, okay, which which preschool are you Had More play-oriented, more regio, or are you going to do something more academic? And I think we could all benefit from a little flexibility and the uh, capacity to kind of check in and, and examine, okay, and is this something that I'm superimposing on my kid, my expectations, or... Is this a good fit for who they are at this time? But I, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. I, I think, you know, that there are, I remember feeling appalled when um, we, we had some friends who were letting their children, you know, run down the street with, with, no, with no shoes on. And we're like, who lets their kid just run down the street? And they didn't know where their kids were, you know? I was like, okay, <laughs> that's a lot. At what age? At what age? Five or six, five mm-hmm. or six. So that yeah, no shoes. And, and then I was just like, free range. <laughs> free range. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. like I consider my husband, I would say, is a classic tiger tiger dad. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm considered the the free range parent, but I, I definitely <laughs> feel like there's a little power struggle there because I'm far more concerned about the emotional, psychosocial aspects than the academic excellence or the sports excellence. But I think I, I can focus on that because my husband is sort of picking up that piece. Exactly. And, I and Dr. Chua said the same thing. She, she felt resentful of her husband, who was like the fun dad, yeah. while she was there forcing her little girl to practice piano again and again and again until she got that right um when parents come to you do, do you try to make a determination about their their style relative to what's happening with their kids hmm a determination you mean like do I assess what style they're parenting in yeah and and whether whether it's helpful you know like what what signs like when do you know or sense that okay this this is creating tension this is creating anxiety this is creating pressure yeah for the kids.
1: The setup that I see over and over again, that's going to sound like I'm talking
0: about you and Mark and I'm not. (laughs) That's okay.
1: (laughs) Fair game, fair game. No, no, I'm not. (laughs) Because I actually think, you know how everything is on a spectrum, right? And like you're saying, there's a yin and yang to the way you and Mark are parenting. I know your kids and your kids are awesome. So I'm not, you know, um, and they're doing very well, right? They're functioning really well. A lot of times when parents are coming to me, it's because their kids aren't functioning well. So there might be um, drug issues or, you know, they're extremely oppositional. Sometimes they're on the spectrum and parents just haven't quite figured out how do you deal with that. But the main thing is when I see the parents split against each other, where one is so strict and overbearing that the other one feels the need to rescue the kids from that parent. And so they become overly warm and friendly and permissive. Uh And if that goes on for years and years and years, I haven't seen many kids who can come out of that mentally well or emotionally well. It takes a lot of reparative work. So that's sort of more what I look at is just that general spectrum of permissive versus, you know, you can be disciplined and then you can be abusive, right? Those are right next to each other a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? Like you got to be careful to try to discipline your kids and encourage them towards mastery and all of that is a beautiful thing, but it can cross over into madness, right. And, and a little, and be a little abusive. And you've got to notice if that's happening.
0: Very true. It's a, it's a kind of triangulation. And, right. and we also see, I mean, this is a, a big trend in, in parenting over the last couple of decades that, that there's an emotional overinvestment oh, in the children God, Yeah, uh, that it's instead of it going to couples there's yeah. there's also an overinvestment of your identity in, yes. in your kids and so whether your kids succeed or fail that's a reflection of you whether they behave well or not. whether they succeed, that's a reflection of you and yeah. that's a very precarious uh, very precarious line that there, there needs to be a boundary and some awareness around that because you can see how it creates so much uh, I want to say explicit but also implicit uh, inappropriate, pressure on the children to perform. Uh, It's it's very problematic. Absolutely. And that's, that's a big thing
1: I definitely work on with parent coaching and that can happen too. Uh, For example, with a mom who's been at home for many years with a child on the spectrum and maybe either hasn't had a proper diagnosis, hasn't had any help. There's this extension of that intense enmeshment that you have when they're babies, right? Because it's this constant process of trying to figure out, how do I back off? Where do I back off? Is it even safe to back off? Like, they need so much more support. Um, And the longer that goes on and the more the mother's own investment in herself, her identity, her world, like, you are not your children, Right. You're you're you are you and to maintain that and how important that is to have a life of your own, to make sure you're really proactively defining who you are and what your goals are in the world. Maybe you need to go back and get a master's and leave your kid alone for a minute. Right. Like maybe you need to do these things that you're imagining your kids need to do in order for you to be happy or fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah.
0: that that makes so much sense and so you can see with with kids who have either they're on the spectrum or they're they're disabled or they have some kind of special need obviously certain kinds of parenting styles are going to be unhelpful but i i wanted to see if you could speak to the uber competitive parenting let's say you're in a social circle like perhaps a club sport of some kind or maybe some music or dance program where you're you're meeting a lot of stage parents what kind of advice would you give to parents who are kind of struggling with that kind of energy? How, how do you how do you kind of keep centered and keep your ground when you're overrun with yeah. stage parents?
1: Well, okay, first of all, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> the messenger is the stage parent. The message is you're you're being thrown off kilter. Mm -hmm. And all you need to deal with is the message, which is like, oh, wow, I have some feelings about this. I'm I'm triggered. What are they? Call your therapist or your parent coach (laughs) or your best friend or your mom or, you know, write it down in your journal. Like, wow, that that I just got the feeling that. I'm not doing anything right. I'm a failure as a mother. I'm a what's your story? Lay it out there. Don't don't kid yourself, right? Um, just be really real with it. Like, oh, yeah, I'm telling myself that if I'm not that mom, I'm a bad mom. My child's going to end up homeless. I'm going to end up homeless. We're all going to be homeless. <laughs> you catastrophizing know, I, that's catastrophizing. <laughs> that's what we do around, around those kind of alpha people, right? It's just. And then there's so many ways you can go with it. You reality test. Like, is it true? Am I really a bad mom? And then you start to look at, this is why I love that C student trend. Like so many interesting, I don't really want to hang out with those moms. I'm not interested in them. I don't find them interesting. I, I, the moms I want to hang out with are like funny and authentic and interesting people doing interesting things for sure and having these fulfilling lives but they don't have that that aggro thing going on and I always sort of question that like I'm at that point now where I'm just like oh my god no I'm not going in that room
0: <laughs> I just don't cultivate those relationships I, I appreciate that I think you have to find your tribe last question so Julie Lithcott Haim, she came out a couple years ago about how to raise an adult she she was the the Stanford I think yeah. freshman admissions advisor and and so the, the first half of the book, she talks about the snow plower, lawnmower parent. So so the helicopter parent, I kind of tend to think of like always hovering, but more for safety as opposed to tiger parent, which is about excellence and obedience and performance. But then the new, I don't know if this is an American phenomenon or not, but the snow plower lawnmower parent is the one that paves the way so there's no there's no challenges there's no bumps in the road that's uh-huh. a sm- smooth path all along and of course maybe the worst iteration of that is a parent attending a job interview or trying to negotiate a salary or perhaps calling the dean once junior got a b on a paper and <laughs> <laughs> arguing for their arguing <laughs> mean, for junior that it should actually be an a so you can see that that's that's extreme yeah. and now lithcott the second half of her book which i on the one hand i found reassuring but on the other hand i found troubling which was her her antidote to this was chores uh basically from ages i don't know what four to five, all the way to 18, that your kids need life skills and you can start with chores. So they know how to do their laundry when they get to wherever it is that they're going. But I, and not to reduce what she was saying, but of course, I, I feel like there's so much more, um, so much more than chores I'm I'm very pro chore not that I'm very good at that but like I'm very pro chore
1: yelling on the chores Jira
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen you know unloading the dishwasher doing their laundry and and uh, taking out the trash actually this is a huge win the pandemic has been a huge win because I have a family of boys yeah. um I'm amazed and they keep their rooms pretty clean I I, I think the reptile <laughs> died sometimes <laughs> That. but involved. I didn't know. <laughs> well, yeah, feeding the reptile actually I think that's really important you know taking care of animals and plants <laughs> the uh, fast times anyway but not to get <laughs> bogged down in reptile care but I, I I do think I do think chores are are helpful but do you do you have any advice just in terms of the kinds of skills, the, the kinds of things parents also sort of need to be attentive to, because we're talking about their emotional and social well-being, their, their academic uh, growth, but but also the life skills. Could you speak more to the life skills? Because that 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 was something that I felt was somewhat missing from, from that book. Life skills, but life skills
1: other than chores.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I will say in this one area, you know, I, I absolutely think that how they're handling schoolwork is really important. Um, my kiddo just happens to be a natural at that. She's a higher, she's higher in executive functioning than I am now. I don't wow. know how that happened. It's weird. Um, but I just am <laughs> like, thank you. Cause I have other issues in life and I'm glad that's <laughs> um And she seems to do, I'm honestly pretty hands-off about life skills. I am. Um, I mean, managing time is really important. Being organized I'm not, in managing time. It is. Yeah. And she seems to do that. But I also don't know, like one of my favorite quotes is, don't worry that your children aren't listening to anything you say. Worry that they're watching everything you do. And so.
0: That's great. I, I always like, think.
1: I just try to think like that, like, am I, what am I doing right now? Like what, how is she seeing me handle my work life, my relationships, uh, making dinner, um, eating out? Like how, how does she see me handling myself? What is she maybe learning from that? And then I try, I'm a big, like, if I think there's something that's really important with kids um, and something I'm always working on with parents is, again, never let anything rupture the bond. I think mm-hmm. we're at a stage in society too where it's so much easier to just completely lose your kid. There, it's it feels to me like it didn't, like parents could be all bossy and mean when I was a kid and you really felt like you had nowhere else to go. But there's something about now where it feels like kids can get alienated really quickly from their parents. And yeah. I think the parent-child relationship is tremendously powerful and important. And so for me, it's been a lot of humbly observing her and asking her about her life. You know what I mean? Well, what do you think about that? And even stuff I don't like, like she just loves that gangster rap. Right. And I am now like a huge Kanye fan. Like we listen to all that stuff together and I, you know, I point out the misogyny often, you know, and and I try to do it in a joking way, you know, I'm like, So this is the kind of guy you want to marry. Okay. (laughs) Um, Is he going to call you the B word? Like just normally, like, Hey, B word, like, give me my coffee. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) That's a whole other
0: conversation. Right.
1: But I mean, point being, I really try to, I let her lead in a lot of areas and I get to know her rather than letting her know who I expect her to be. I'm way more interested in who she actually is.
0: Mm, I love that. And, and I do think, I mean, for, for all the problems and, and pressures of the world that we're in now, we also have so much more freedom. We have so many more resources. We have so much more flexibility to to keep evolving as parents, and mm-hmm. so I, I I appreciate that because the um, if if we didn't if we were really locked into specific expectations and, and norms, uh, I I just I think a more child centered focus uh, is ultimately going to be more beneficial, even if you do make mistakes that they resent you for and have to go to therapy for later.
1: Oh, they're going to <laughs> resent you. Like this, <laughs> Okay, okay. Every morning and just re- look like they're going to resent you no matter what. Okay, so <laughs> now I've got some freedom. I, I, can, I can make a... You're going to, right? They're all going to therapy, folks. Like they're all going to complain <laughs> about you <laughs> and they're going to hate you sometimes. And that's another huge parenting skill, right? You, yes. you right? Who yeah. you are is not should not be defined by how your children feel about you on a given day. And that's been huge work for me because I'm so sensitive to that. Like if I feel like she, like the idea of my kid hating me, it's, it's really hard to sit with. And I try to sit with it and be like, okay, but if she hates me because I'm not letting her go out with uh, a bunch of kids that I know are doing drugs and, you know, et cetera, then okay, hate me because I won't hate me if I let you go, I'll hate me.
0: And that'll be there worse. We go. <laughs> so much worse. And sage <laughs> advice to, to end the podcast with. Mick, thank you so much for being with us. It was a thank huge pleasure to have me. you. It was awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Mick. So that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you, listeners, for being with us. You can join us biweekly. We'll continue to unpack the most pressing issues around parenting teens. You can find RGZ on Spotify, Anchor, and Radio Public. And you can always follow us on at Z on Instagram. All right. We want to hear from you. Please send us your questions. And you can always email us at RaisingGenZ3 at gmail.com. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you next time.